Let me invite you now to grab a Bible and open it, if you will, to the book of Jonah, and we'll continue our study there. But before we get to that, just a word about to you mothers. Um, I don't think there's a man, a man alive who understands all the stresses and the demands and the challenges that you've had to perform over the years as in the role of mother. It, it, we don't fully understand it, but we, um, we greatly appreciate what you've done and who you are. Um, we also understand that Mother's Day is not uh, equally enjoyable for every mother, that this is an, an odd time, but it's, um, it's a time where we are reminded that that role cannot be replaced in any way. In a culture that seems to have um, somewhat uh, devalued the role, um, that is not true here. You, my sister in Christ, and the work that you have done is admirable and is um, uh, everlasting, the impact that you have had, and we, we honor you today. Now, um, I want to remind you before I read my text that, guys, uh, the book of Jonah, uh, because it gets taught so frequently in, in Sunday schools, because it has that fish in it, um, I, I, it's almost like we, we flip a switch and think of it differently than we do all of the, the other books. I, I want to just admonish you, just understand that this book was placed in the Bible because it has lessons for us in it. There's a lesson here, and I, my, my privilege is to try and get to draw out some of the lessons that is in this this historical narrative. So um, understand that we're, we're going to take a look, but the hope is that there can be much application, widespread application for God's people as we, uh, as we study what's going on in the life of Jonah. Now, follow as I begin to read in verse 17 of chapter 1, and then I'll read the in, uh, chapter 2 in its entirety. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple." The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love but i with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what i have vowed i will pay salvation belongs to the lord and the lord spoke to the fish and it vomited jonah out upon the dry land the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our god this word endures forever Let's start by taking a look at verse 17 and uh, combining it with verse 10 of chapter 2. Uh, verse 17 of chapter 1 says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Then verse 10 tells us that the Lord spoke to the fish and um, it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. 
There's no creature on the face of the earth that was more sick um, or sicker than Jonah than that fish. The fish was more, uh, sicker than Jonah was, and he had a, he had a, a stomach virus named Jonah. Um, the, the poor fish has no will of its own. It is there simply to do God's bidding. Well, well, what kind of fish was it, Dr. Young? I don't know. <laughs> um, and it really doesn't matter. Guys, um, the, the main player in this, in this story is not that fish. Uh, in fact, he does exactly what he's told, uh, or she does, whichever. Um, it's, it's not about the fish. It's not about Jonah. It's a, the, the story is about God and his dealings with his people. Uh, his name, that is God's name, is mentioned 39 times in 44 verses. And yet people miss the great God because they're fixated on the great fish. Gang, the, the, the fish is nothing but a saltwater taxi. Um, it is, uh, doesn't seem to have a will of its own. It does just what it is told, much, much unlike Jonah and much unlike um, me. Um, now, go back with me. Um, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> that is my wife's fault. <laughs> I have been preaching for 45 years, and I have never sneezed um, <laughs> in the course of a sermon. Thank you, my beloved. <laughs> I'm an old man with great allergies, and she sticks a flower on my rappel. <laughs> okay, where was I when I was so rudely interrupted? Um, <laughs> uh, my eyes are itching. No, uh, no, 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 no. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> um, my wife would have me to say to you, because I do as I'm told as well, I'm just a giant fish-like human, um, that she made that for me. And I wore it through the first service and, and coughed and sneezed through that service too. But uh, now where were we? Um, guys, go back with me to verse 4 of chapter 1. And it says that the Lord hurled a storm. Now we're told that God appoints a fish. It's a, a, a fish that is specifically selected for God's redemptive purposes for Nineveh. The point is, God is at the center of Jonah's mess. And Jonah knows it. Let me, let me show you, folks. Did you, did you notice it? He says in verse 3, for you cast me into the deep. Wait a minute. Who was it that threw Jonah into the Mediterranean? I thought it was those soldiers. Not in Jonah's mind. It was God who put him in there. Look at what else he says in that same verse. All your waves and your billows those things that are washing over me are yours. You sent them. You control those waves and billows that are, that are washing over me and drowning me. Um, everybody else might miss this, but Jonah didn't. 
This mess that he was in is something that God is at the center of. In Jonah's mind, there would have been no mess if Jonah had not chosen to disobey. Folks, um, disobedience always leads to messes. Defiance will put you in one big old mess. If, if you're uncomfortable with what it is that God is up to here in dealing with this prophet, then, then a couple of things you need to remember. First of all, it was Jonah who made choices. God didn't author his sin. Jonah made choices. Um, in response to his circumstance, he made choices. Um, and those choices have consequences. Folks, that is the message of the entire book of Proverbs, that choices have consequences. You know, um, that's the lesson that we parents are so desperate to teach our kids. Do you understand? And by the way, you know the book of Proverbs is written by a father, not a mother, but written by a father to his son saying, son, do you know about this? Or you know about this? Or about this and this and this? But the, but the but the common thing throughout the book of Proverbs is that choices have consequences. And that is, that is on display in this book of Jonah. Jonah made choices. They have consequences. And they have taken him to the inside of a belly, inside, belly, inside the belly of a whale. Now, let's, um, let's take a look inside that belly and uh, see what comes next. A couple of years ago, um, I, I watched a video. Um, it, it, was a, 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 it was a preacher. It wasn't a sermon. It was kind of a lecture, and it was a particular preacher who was struggling with a particular brand of sin. And he made a, a, several comments in that video that, that, that I thought were, that were just right on target and were moving to me. And, and the first one he said, he said this about himself. He said, I just don't like who I am. And then he went on to state that his turnaround in dealing with who he was was the moment at which he took ownership of his choices. I'm going through what I'm going through. I'm struggling with what I'm struggling with. Because I made choices. Um, guys, when we fail to see ourselves as the agents and our choices to have the consequences that have produced the mess that I'm in, then we, um, there's not much there's not much um, path to a solution available to you. You see, when you, when you view yourself as a victim, then you're always trying to shift the blame or to someone or someplace else. And in one sense, guys, we are victims. We are all ravaged by the fall in various ways, and in that sense, we're victims. We have been victimized by the fall that, uh, that is uh, uh, related to us in Genesis 3. Yes, yes, yes. But in light of that victimization, 
I make choices to respond to my victimization. You know, um, I have three daughters. And unfortunately, those three daughters got raised by me. Or at least I was half of the raising team. And, I, and they don't, not that I know of, but they could. They could say, oh, my daddy did this, and my daddy, and, and they would be right. But that is not going to move to a solution, ladies and gentlemen. You know, uh, years ago, I used to, um, to make the arrogant claim that I could spot repentance. That when people came into my office and they were telling me about this mess that they were in, um, I could spot repentance. I don't say that anymore because it wasn't true. It wasn't true then, it's not true now. Uh, it was just my own high-mindedness that, maybe, I mean, that caused me to say such a foolish thing. But I can tell you this. When people are telling me a story uh, of a mess that they find themselves in, the word that sends off all kinds of red flags in me is the word, but. Well, I'm in this big mess, Dr. Young, and it's a, but. Yeah, the, the situation is bad, and, and I'm really uh, in a mess, and it's very, very complicated, but. Because, guys, that's, that's the language of a victim, I'm in this mess because of that. This, this preacher that I mentioned in the video, he's, he was saying that my turnaround came when I owned my sin. And I'm suggesting to you that that's what you see in the life of Jonah. I'm in the belly of a whale because I chose to defy and God threw me into the Mediterranean, and now I find myself in a bigger mess. I, I, the principle I want you to hear, guys, is that Jonah's deliverance and, and ours from our messes, they both start in the same place. They, they start with taking ownership of my choices, that I chose to do this. Now, guys, are, are there exceptions? I'm sure there are. I can think of one, John chapter 9, the man born blind. You know, he was born blind for the glory of God. I understand that. I'm saying in the main, the mess in which I find myself is a mess that was created by choices that I made. Now, guys, I, I, would, I would love to think that there are nobody, there's nobody here. I mean, this is all idle talk, and, and there's nobody here in the mess. But that would mean that there's nobody here that's ever defied God. And I know better than that. And so the mess that came as a result of my defiance or disobedience the way that it begins to be solved, step number one, is that when I take ownership of my own choices, 
and there are consequences every time to those choices. I think you see there in verse 2 that for the first time in this story, Jonah prays. We're told that in verse 2. Um, he's in verse 1 and verse 2, he's praying now. Um, he thought he was about to die, and then a fish swims towards him and opens his mouth. And now things are really complicated. Um, reality has shaken him and he sees himself in Sheol he says in verse 2 Sheol is a Hebrew term that just refers to the land of the dead but he's not dead yet but he knows that his situation is no accident it's you that put me in the Mediterranean it's your waves your billows that are rolling over me and interesting ladies and gentlemen that's where hope begins to rise because he realizes that God is in this and so he prays which is his first right step he he seems to understand that there are no solutions unless those solutions go through God my friend the mess in which you find yourself is not going to be remedied with a new diet or a new house. The remedy is going to have to be fine by going through God to get it. And we'll see a little bit more about what that is in a minute, but Jonah begins to get his head together in the digestive tract of a whale. It's somewhat like the story of the prodigal son, which I said last week. Um, You know, it was the prodigal son who who came to his senses while sitting in a bunch of pig slop. Well, Jonah's sitting in the digested track of a whale, and and he, he begins to get his head together there. Inwardly, all strength is gone, and outwardly, things couldn't look worse the seaweed is wrapping around my head at the roots of the mountains and the bars closed i mean um, most commentarians would suggest that those bars were the were the ribs of the whale that he's looking at um so inwardly i'm shaking outwardly it couldn't be worse and then he begins to come to his senses. Um, and you see that same thing, as I said, in the prodigal son. You know, when, when a Christian gets aroused from his spiritual lethargy, we, um, we are, we're made more aware and more conscious of our sin. And, and every circumstance seems to be enlarged in its significance. We become more sensitive to our sin when we're beginning to return to sanity. And, and that's what seems to be going on with Jonah. Everything inside him is trembling, and at that moment he turns to God, having, having started with taking ownership of his sin. You say, where do you see that, Dr. Young? Well, look at verse 7 with me. He says, 
when my life was fainting away. Now, guys, I'm not trying to create some new evangelical doctrine, but I would like to suggest to you that no one comes to Christ until he comes there. Comes where? When, When it seemed to me that there's absolutely no solutions to my, my mess, when my life was fainting away, then I remembered. A set of circumstances so complex, so, 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 so without solution, there... Then I remembered Yahweh. Um, You know, folks, Jonah knew better than to do what he did. But maybe for you, all of this mess that you're in, whatever that is, is something brand new for you. Um... But that, ladies and gentlemen, is thrilling. Why do you say thrilling? Keep reading. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Now, ladies and gentlemen, why the holy temple? Why there? Why is it that the, that the mind and heart and soul of Jonah races into the temple? Why there? Two reasons. First of all, in the Jewish mind, that's where Yahweh lived. That's one of the reasons, ladies and gentlemen, that he didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because to leave the Holy Land was to leave that place where God had identified his presence. And specifically in that holy temple. But secondly, it was also the place where sacrifices for sin were made. The guilt offerings, the burnt offerings, the peace offerings. All of those offerings for sin were made in the holy temple. When When I thought there was absolutely no solution, I drug myself to the temple. Because that's where I can find Yahweh. And that's where there's going to be offerings for my sin. Folks... In chapter 1, the presence of God was the very thing that Jonah wanted to run from. He did everything in his power to get out of the presence of God. He designed this strategy to pay his fare on a boat and go to Tarshish. Why? Because he wanted out of God's presence. But once he comes to this place, where he's taken ownership of his sin and he knows that there's no solution otherwise to be found. The thing now that I want most is to be in the presence of that God because that's where offerings for sin are made. Whose sin? My sin. My sin that got me into this mess. And then he says, verse 8, those who pay regard to vain idols 
forsake their hope of. Look at it. The, the translation here is steadfast love. <clears throat> Pardon me. I've told you about this word before. I told you about it in, the, in our study of the book of Ruth. It's one of the most frequently used words in the Old Testament, particularly in the Psalms. It is the Hebrew word chesed. It has to do not with love, ladies and gentlemen, but steadfast love, loyal love, long-term love, constant love, covenant love. And if you go any other place, you'll never find that love. You go to a vain idol, you'll not find it. But with Yahweh, it's not just that he loves me, but that he has for me Hesed. By the way, that's exactly the thing that drew the prodigal son back. That the prodigal son realized that awaiting back at the house was not his judge, but his father. Father's known for. We don't kick the kids out because they made a bad choice. Father's known for steadfast love. Folks, the, the thing that wins Jonah is not law. The beauty of the gospel is not found in the perfections of moral living as outlined in the law. The thing that drew him back are, is a consciousness of God's covenant commitment to Israel. Isaac Watts put it like this. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? Love so amazing, so divine is a love that demands my strength, my life, my all. And interestingly, the very next statement he makes in verse 9 now he's talking about paying his vows. Now he's talking about doing his duty. Now he's talking about obedience. Why? Because he remembered Yahweh in his holy temple, the Yahweh of steadfast love. I don't love like that. But Yahweh loves like that. Love so amazing, so divine. Demands my strength, my life, my all. Those are words, ladies and gentlemen, fit for a whale's belly. Or any other circumstance, any other crisis in which you might find yourself right now. It's has said that turns his defiance into deliverance. It's has said that turns his disobedience into a determination to obey. 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, gives rise, that is that recognition of hesed, gives rise to a determination to obey, and then it gives rise to one of the most theologically profound statements found anywhere in the Bible. And it consists of five words. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see how wonderfully, marvelously rich that is? Here is a man guilty of disobedience and defiance who ran from God like a, like a rebel without a cause. God creates a storm, throws him in the Mediterranean. He's swallowed by a fish, and there he comes to his senses. He remembers God in his holy temple. I want to be in his presence because he's a God of steadfast love. Oh, my gosh. Do you understand that that means that salvation belongs to Yahweh? There are no solutions for sin apart from Yahweh. Buddha doesn't save. Allah doesn't save. Salvation is the domain of Yahweh, not men. There is no other Savior, says Jonah. No other Savior but Yahweh. You know, Jesus said that too. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Because you see, salvation belongs to Yahweh. And by the way, I think you know this, that the name Jesus means Yahweh saves. One other thing. You know, it was Jesus, not Jonah. It was Jesus who was utterly forsaken by God. Why? So that undeserving sinners like Jonah And me and you could be reconciled to his father. Jonah didn't get what he deserved. Neither have I. Because Jesus got what I deserved. And then he gave to me by way of a gift that thing that he had earned for me because salvation belongs to the Lord to dispense as he sees fit. That gift changed my life 45 years ago have you received that one our father I, I do pray for the people in this room who see themselves in similar situations maybe not as 
egregious as Jonah's, but know that their life has been made complex, more complex than it already was because of sinful choices. I pray that you'll use the, uh, the example of our brother Jonah to remind us that it all starts when we take ownership of our sin and head back to the place where we can find you because it's only there where a sacrifice for sin has been made. And I pray that you will um, cause men and women to see that in a way that they've never seen it before as we have been instructed by a man who spent three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. His instruction, salvation, deliverance, reconciliation. It all belongs to the Lord. We come to you again, O God, as people who lay hold of that which can only be gotten from a God of steadfast love. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name.